Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels. And our guest this episode, we've got Tom Boley back on the show. Tom is a YouTuber from Hayward, Wisconsin area. You know, for many of you, Tom Boley probably needs no introduction. His stuff has been, uh, his walleye content on YouTube has been very popular for a long time. And we've had him on the show a bunch of times. Tom's a great friend of the JMO crew here. And, uh, you know, this particular episode, this, this particular interview, I just wanted to pick Tom's brain a little bit on the conditions and how that's affected some of his fishing because you know for Tom to produce his content he travels around he samples a lot of water he samples a lot of areas you know traveling state to state and and uh, you know fishing big water and small water and everything in between and he sees a lot of stuff so I wanted to get his perspective on you know this year the conditions uh, you know the 2023-2024 ice fishing season across the Midwest and beyond has really been you know kind of the conversation has really been dictated by the conditions in, in any given area, whether it's, you know, the lack of snow on the ice or the, you know, sort of the, the lack of thick, safe, fishable ice in a lot of places. And so ice safety has been a big conversation. But what does that really mean for the fishing? This guy like Tom still spends a lot of time on the water, uh, regardless of the conditions. He finds places to fish. He's fishing on a daily basis all the time. And he's traveling around, so he's sampling a lot of different things. And I just wanted to get... You know, his perspective on what the conditions this year are really doing. And, you know, this is a really optimistic conversation in that regard that the fishing is really good. And the reality is that there is going to be uh, quite a bit of ice fishing left. So for the hardcores, for the enthusiasts, for those of us that are that are still trying to get, um, you know, a, a good few days in of this ice season, there is uh, there's a lot to appreciate. And I think you guys are going to really appreciate this conversation with Tom Boley. So without further ado... Let's get to it. Tom Boley, all things ice fishing. Let's do it. This JMO podcast is brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales in West Bend, Wisconsin. Cedar Lake Sales is Southern Wisconsin's largest Crestliner dealership. So whatever you're looking for, whether it's something uh, family oriented or a pontoon, maybe you're looking for a traditional fishing boat or step it up to something that you can travel around and fish tournaments in. They are well known to have it all easy to check out in their huge indoor heated showrooms. Now, with a great service department and the confidence of their customers, Cedar Lake Sales is celebrating 55 years of trusted business. Again, if you are shopping for a boat, your shopping is not done until you've talked to a salesman at Cedar Lake Sales. For more information on what they got, what they offer, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That's www.cedarlakesales.com. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by the CS1 suit from Cold Snap. This jacket and bib combination is good for all seasons. The jacket featuring the full event lamination, 100% waterproof shell with waterproof YKK zippers, fleece-lined hand-warm pockets on the chest, magnetic closures on the pockets, hideaway D-rings for accessories, especially like your Cold Snap toothpick. Zip out the inner liner... Featuring Prima Loft 900 gold insulation, HydroFloat technology, wear this cold snap logoed performance liner as a separate jacket on the ice, or you can just wear it around town as nice as it is. The bibs matching the jacket system, we're talking the lamination, the waterproof, the zippers, fleece lined, warming pockets on the chest, magnetic closures on all the high use pockets, and the hideaway D-rings for all your accessories again. Zip out the inner liner pants featuring the Primaloft 900 gold insulation, HydroFloat technology, removable knee pads. You can take them out, replace them whenever they're worn, or just take them out when you're wearing it in the summer. Because in the summer, in the boat, you can wear this shell 
as your highest performance rain gear, where the entire system in the ice season or as layers and mix and match the components to fit whatever the weather conditions are. The gloves, cold snap performance gear hoodies, event softshell jackets and vests, all of that and more details can be found at coldsnapoutdoors.com. That link is in the description of this podcast or through other pro staff partners. How would you rate the the ice fishing this year? You know, uh, and just sort of maybe just describe a little bit, um, you know, just kind of explain that a little bit, uh, however you want to. Yeah, so actually this year, I would say, even though it's been super warm and spotty ice conditions everywhere, it's probably been the best fishing I've ever had on the ice. And a lot of that's obviously due to the lack of people out there fishing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. As sad as it is for the industry to see a year like this. Um, as far as fishing goes, it's been really, it's been a really good year on a lot of places we've been. And, you know, we were just coming off body of water in central Minnesota where, you know, normally, normally it's ice castles on every single spot on the whole lake roads plowed all over by, you know, January 1st or that first week of January. And we're out there and I saw three people the other day, it's 40 degrees out sunny and, uh, eight inches of slushy ice, <laughs> and, Yeah, you know, fish, fish biting super good. Um, they, you know, obviously weren't conditioned by all the pressure and the noise. And I think we forget about how much just the noise on the ice affects fish. I don't think it's necessarily fish getting caught and released and caught and released. Most times it's just all that noise on the ice that really moves fish around and makes bites more windowy. And those fish were biting all day long. Like nobody had fished for them all year. So even though the winter has been super warm, bad for just accessibility to the ice, um, you know, a large part of the job is obviously ice checking this year, but the fishing, when we do get out to where we kind of want to be, has been really good. How have you been able to kind of decide where and when you've been able to go places? Maybe we'll talk about some of the, you know, specific places that you've been. Um, so the first thing of this year is, yeah, like you said, ice safety. I mean, it's been just, you know, we've had large portions of our trip filled with, you know, let's say we go somewhere for three days, especially the last, you know, the first three quarters of ice season, we might spend a whole day just drilling holes, measuring ice, checking cracks, playing wind if the whole lake's not locked up. And like many ice fishermen, I've probably gone through the same progression, at least a lot of people who do it very frequently is, you know, early on, you're like, oh man, you know, there's an inch and a half, it's two inches, right? We can get out there and we can fish. There is zero point to go out on sketchy ice. I can assure you of that. (laughs) A lot of us know that now, but it's always, it's, you know, you always say to yourself, oh, it's right there. You know, it's right. We could, we could make it out there. We're probably good, right? Well, probably isn't good enough. And as you spend more time on the ice, you realize it's always moving. It's always shifting. And a lot of people talk a ton about ice safety gear, which is good to have some kind of flotation thing, ice picks. Um, but ultimately what we try to do the most is the most valuable things you could have is, um, a GPS map, especially on big water. Like we like to fish a lot. We've been on, uh, leech, Winnebagash, devils, um, Malax, a bunch of other bodies, of water across Minnesota, North Dakota. And, um, having some reliable form of GPS, especially if you're in the dark or running around, you know, there's no like visual landmarks out there where you're like, Oh, you know, take a left at the tree or oh, stump out here. It's, in, you know, so having something where you're like bad ice right here, you can waypoint it. And if you're in the dark or if it's foggy, which it's been a bunch this year, or if the snow comes down and you know, you can't see that change in the ice color anymore, having a GPS to tell you where to go, where to stay on your safe track is 
one of the most valuable tools you can have on the ice to be to stay on top of the ice. So then obviously checking it a million times is super important too. And that's been kind of the big thing this year, but there's a few places we've been, I mean, pretty much, you know, some of the places we normally go in my backyard here in Northern Wisconsin, there's, I haven't fished them all year. There just hasn't been safe ice to go out onto it. I was going to, um, a couple weeks ago, right after that big cold snap that we got hit at. And, um, you can walk around and fish some of the lakes, but once you get on a snowmobile everywhere else, you're like, I'm not walking anymore. But, uh, I got to the landing and I was like, man, this ice does not look good. Drilled a couple holes, you know, five, six inches of ice, real slushy ice though. There's a big difference between drilling a hole through ice that looks like a snow cone when you drill it and ice that looks like it's hard fracturing black ice. Looked to my left and there was about 300 yards away. There was guys, a recovery crew taking a four wheeler out of the ice. They took an airboat out the day before to try to get a four-wheeler out, and that broke through. So, I mean, it's crazy. The the places we normally go and have been able to fish just have been absolute no-goes this year. Haven't even put a track on the ice. <laughs> yeah. Crazy year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, getting into the fishing, like, how how would you say the conditions this year have affected the fishing? I mean, I, you know, I, I want to spend some time on this and, and just kind of, you know, I haven't asked anybody these questions yet, kind of, you know, getting like a, like a midwinter um, update. It's like, I don't even know what midwinter is. It's like, has it started yet? Like, is it, is it almost late ice? Like, it's like, this is such a weird thing, but you know, it, it it's, it's early February right now. And I just want to get like an update from you on the fishing. Like, you know, you, you talk about it being good fishing and, and, um, you know, and, and we're talking about how you can't necessarily get everywhere, so, you know, I'm just curious, have you been able to, you know, fish the spots you want to fish on some of those lakes or have you been, you know, has the ice conditions kind of forced you to maybe look elsewhere or, or you know, fish secondary spots like, like, uh, you know, and, and, and are the fish doing anything different, you know, like the patterns wise, like anything that the conditions this year, you know, has, has affected your fishing in some way, shape or form that would be interesting enough for us to talk about. Yeah. I mean, fishing a lot of times, you know, I spend most of my time walleye fishing, obviously. And a lot of times early ice, we're focused on those really shallow areas, you know, four feet, eight feet, 10 feet, 12 feet on some lakes, all pretty shallow water fishing. And those spots are generally easily accessible early ice. There's generally, you know, safe ice there first, and there's generally fish there. So the fishing is generally good. And it always seems like even in a year like this, which we've obviously, I've never experienced a year like this before, but um, I was always curious, like, man, do those fish get pressured out of the shallow water or do they just eventually kind of trickle out? And one thing we saw, even though you might be getting on a lake for the first time in mid-January, um, those shallow spots are definitely better in that first ice time frame. It seems like to me, it seems like those fish that, utilize shallow water later in the winter even if that's january february whatever it might be it's more at like those sundown sun up low light windows that fish get in there so even though a lot of times this year we were getting on a lake for the first time in mid-january and i'd be telling uh mitch the guy that travels with me in films i'm like man you know normally in early december i'm out here i just crush up at five feet of water over here but I, just, I don't feel like the fish are going to be there and then we'd go there fish and wouldn't catch very much and then we'd go out to the midwinter spot and be catching fish. Um, the one big thing we see is that it seems like on a lot of these lakes that get a lot of wheelhouse traffic, especially, um, like we kind of talked about pressure, those fish that that rock bar, that mud, that mud flat, or that big point in the middle of the lake, that's, you know, 20 to 30 feet of water where normally, you know, if you're like the first guy out there, 
you know, once there's safe ice that you'll do really good. And then once everybody gets out there, those spots kind of shut down. There's been a lot more fish still relating to those kind of spots this year. So it's like the pressure is not because it's been so light has been not been pushing fish off a lot of those kind of main lake basin oriented spots where a lot of times, you know, those fish push off or become very kind of negative neutral. And um, there's a few lakes we've seen those fish kind of get pressured off, but we've been doing some cool stuff with forward facing through the ice where, you know, you could essentially chase those fish out over the basin, which has been super cool too. There's a lot of guys that are trying to be, you know, a little nuancey guys that are kind of, you know, watching your videos, guys that are, you know, trying to gather information to figure out how to kind of beat the system and find their own fish. You know, maybe it's one of those years where you don't want to overthink it. Just as long as there's safe ice, just go to the biggest and best looking spot because it's, it's going to be your own little playground. I, I, I don't know. I think that's, that might, that might be a really, really cool thing about this year, the opportunity for people to fish the big fun spots um you know where they normally didn't man any uh you know any 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 specific stories any 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 places that you've been or you know any fun days of fishing that you could just kind of detail um yeah kind of along those same lines i mean we've had i always hate filming around a ton like you know the community spot you go out to your biggest best walleye lake and there's one big rock reef right and there's a you know people always fishing it i can never i always hate filming there shouldn't say i can't film there it's just always weird when you're talking loud to a camera and everybody else is sitting on their bucket being quiet, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're catching them, you're catching them, but then you're this loud, obnoxious guy. So I always hate being the guy doing that. Yeah. But the nice, this year I run a snowmobile on the ice just cause I think it's the safest, quickest, lightest thing you can run outside of walking. So there's been a lot of days where I might check ice for half a day or check ice the whole day before. And then we kind of get out to this big spot and you're sitting there, you know, 20, 30 walleyes deep by noon. And you're just looking around and you don't see another person. You're like, wow, you know, this, we will probably not get the, ever the opportunity to do this again right here, you know, and the fish are dumb and they're there and they haven't been beat up and you're just <laughs> all by yourself. And that's been honestly the cool part about this. You can't stress the safety enough. I obviously have the luxury to kind of drive around a lot of places and be willing to spend that time to check everything. Obviously I understand the weekend guy maybe doesn't have that luxury, but that has been one of the cool, cool parts about this year that, and, you know, always trying to play and learn from forward facing and kind of, you know, seeing fishing bites, maybe that we couldn't fish before that for walleyes that we figured did something, but we didn't know for sure until we started, you know, kind of chasing like open water fish through the ice basically too. That's been a cool part as well. Like looking back on this ice season so far, or, or just, you know, kind of where you've become in, gotten to in your career, like, like what percentage of the time are you maybe chasing some kind of a hunch or a theory or maybe, you know, you're, you're, you're te- testing a new lure type or whatever it is? Like, like how, what percentage of the time are you being more experimental versus maybe trying to like prove the theory or, or maybe trying to like, um, you know, validate the known if you yeah. will, like, like, tell me, walk me through a little bit of that and how, uh, how, how that is for you and your mindset when you're going out, uh, filming nowadays. Yeah. So I, me and Mitch literally had this conversation the other day. Mitch is sitting there with the camera filming for me. He hates it. I get extremely bored, extremely fast of doing the same thing. So <laughs> we're talking about where to go and what to film. And I was like, we're going here and we're filming this today. He's like, do you even think that works? I'm like, well, in theory, it should work. And he's looking at me like, why don't we just go? 
he's like, I thought you said you could go over here and just catch a ton of them. I was like, well, we could, but we know we could do that. And he's like, well, why don't we do that? And I'm like, cause I get bored of doing that. <laughs> so honestly, a lot of the stuff I film is stuff where, you know, it is in the exploratory stage, you know, or it's in the, you know, the hunch stage of this could potentially be something, but I don't know, you know? And then um, you know, if we sit on a body of water for a day, catch 30, 40 fish, have a phenomenal day of walleye fishing and then wake up the next morning and Mitch will be like, are we going back out? I'm like, no, we're going somewhere else. I get just got bored of catching, you know, you get bored of like doing the same thing over, especially for video. I like doing something different, something different, something different. So most of the time we're on the hunt for something different. Maybe it's the same, same body of water, different location on the lake fishing for a fish that are doing a totally different thing, something like that. But um, yeah, I, I constantly like to mix it up and kind of try to, push the envelope as far as you know what's possible with electronics and fish location and different baits and stuff like that i like that i like hearing that i think you know i think that um you know i think for the adventurous angler we're all kind of in that way in some way shape or form and you kind of i like i want to kind of highlight the you know what you said there that makes a lot of sense is like sometimes you are you're on the same body of water. Sometimes you you know even if it, you know if somebody's listening to this and and they have a home body of water that they pretty much exclusively fish all the time. I feel like you can be adventurous even on a home body of water cuz so much of this stuff or so many you know uh lakes nowadays I mean outside of a 100 acre dish bowl slough like mm-hmm. a lot of these lakes offer diversity so like you can test your metal a little bit you can test yourself out or test theories out even on you know staying on a, on one body of water if it's your home body of water you have good access to it you just have like a comfort level you know uh you know or some type of confidence already out there and you've figured some things out like i think that um you know not to exclude that and i'm glad you kind of brought that up like in that way, sometimes you're on a destination deal, but for guys that are on their home body of water, don't think that you can't just, you can't be adventurous and just, and test out a yeah. new theory on the other side of the lake, man. I think that's. Yeah. One thing we, you know, I always try to relate it as much to summer fishing as, cause it's way easier to catch fish in summer. Obviously you can make a cast, you can drive your boat around, you can look for them and all that kind of fun stuff. So in the winter, you know, we always think like, you know, you always think, okay, we're going to go jig some walleyes this morning. Let's get out to our rock pile. Let's get out to our weed point edge. Let's, you know, get out to our big piece of structure. And one thing, you know, we do a ton in the summer, obviously, and a lot of people do is fish for open water walleyes. Walleyes that just roam basin. Most of the time we know they're the bigger fish. We know those fish are more aggressive. You always just think with an eight inch ice hole and a 40 inch rod, like, how am I ever going to find one of these fish? You know, so you go out to the middle of the big basins and you start drilling holes to try to find suspended fish. And then, you know, before you know it, you can sharpshooting basin walleyes with forward facing sonar through the ice, you know, and that's a bite that without taking the gamble and getting off the rock pile, you'd never know you could do through the ice, you know? So it's, oh, yeah. it, it's always just kind of the fun stuff to try. Yeah, dude. What would be another like specific trip that you've took this year, earlier this year, you know, that was fun and interesting to you. Maybe it took you a day or two to kind of figure something out or, you know, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know. Um, is there, is there anything like that that we could break down that was just kind of fun? Maybe something that you've already aired this year in particular, you know, with really big lakes freezing a lot slower than normal and slower than a lot of smaller lakes, all the small water opportunity that we don't normally hear about as much, you know, where it's some two to 500 acre lake that, you know, you know, the guy at the bait shop says there's walleyes in there, 
know, he, he says people catch them. You don't know if that means people catch them every five times they go out, they get one, or they catch 12 when they go out. Um, but exploring a bunch of those little bodies of water is definitely one that um, I feel like you don't hear about as much, but has a lot of potential, especially on a year like, like this, where those lakes freeze up a little faster. And most time those lakes are relatively shallow. Most time the bites aren't over complex. Generally it's some kind of shoreline piece of structure, weed edge, um, shoreline point or something like that. But um, looking back on just like a lot of the digging through, you know, fishery studies or things like that, those things generally help point you in the right direction. Generally the process that we go through or what I'll try to look for is find one with the most recent fishery survey that you can find generally within the last three years, if possible. And then you you generally look for um, quality of size and then fish per acre. So, you know, none of us really preferably want to go to the lake that's got four fish an acre, but that they, you know, they're all 13 inches long. So generally somewhere in that two fish an acre, upper 1.8 fish an acre to three or four or five fish an acre sometimes, you know, somewhere with the quality size, 15 to 20 inches. You know, that's pretty common for what you'd see out of one of these better small lakes. And then, you know, putting a few of those on the bulletin board and, you know, just kind of going out and trying to fish those kind of, you know, non-complex shoreline spots is a lot of times what we do in those little lakes. But that's one that definitely doesn't get enough talk, especially through the winter. It's It seems to be a lot of like, you know, is it, is it devils? Is it Lake of the woods? Is it red Lake? Is it leech Lake? Where can I get my wheelhouse out this weekend? Yeah. It seems like a lot of those smaller lakes kind of get forgotten. Oh yeah. Have you been, have you been, you feel like you've been, uh, spending most of your time on the bigger bodies of water. Have you been, have you had a chance to film on some of the smaller stuff? Once we could get on some of the bigger bodies of water, we, we did. I just enjoy fishing big water more than anything. Obviously, small water's got a ton of potential, but for some reason, bigger lakes, just, I, I don't know, I've always just had, like, enjoyed fishing big water the most. You know, but the small water, obviously, you know, rarely do I go, and I basically fish small water, you know, that's all that's around within 100 miles of where I live, so yeah. it's all small water. So yeah. we do a ton of this, you know, you might get on a lake, and you know fish for an hour in the boat fishing these small lakes and say all right this one's this one's not it this is a no-go you know <laughs> our information was inaccurate from four years ago till now but a lot of it starts in a boat and i'm always mad at myself that i don't take more time in the summer to just dump my boat in for an hour for two hours on a lot of these little lakes that i know they say have walleyes but it's so much easier to break stuff down in the summer you drive one lap around a lake you might not don't even have to wet a line and you just look at the side imaging, okay, big rock point here. Okay, a school of walleyes on this weed edge. Okay, big weed point coming out over here that wraps into rock. And just having four or five waypoints on those small lakes just helps you out so much through the ice. It's all so much harder through the ice. So a lot of times, and I'll you know even credit most of the majority of my ice fishing success to just knowing what is under the under the water in the boat, you know, by having waypoints on my graph from the summertime and having a good idea of how spots lay out. I mean, that just, that information helps us so much, but it always makes me mad every year when I get to the first ice and I'm looking at where has ice and where it doesn't, especially like this year when all the big lakes don't have ice. And I'm like, man, why didn't I just take a couple days and drive around some of these 200, 500, 900 acre lakes and put some waypoints down. But yeah, that's that's one thing that's always going through my mind, and it helps you out so much um, when it comes to ice fishing, just to have that greater detail of, you know, you know what, what those spots look like.
This JMO podcast is brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales in West Bend, Wisconsin. Cedar Lake Sales is Southern Wisconsin's largest Crestliner dealership. So whatever you're looking for, whether it's something uh, family oriented or a pontoon, maybe you're looking for a traditional fishing boat or step it up to something that you can travel around and fish tournaments in. They are well known to have it all easy to check out in their huge indoor heated showrooms. Now, with a great service department and the confidence of their customers, Cedar Lake Sales is celebrating 55 years of trusted business. Again, if you are shopping for a boat, your shopping is not done until you've talked to a salesman at Cedar Lake Sales. For more information on what they got, what they offer, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That's www.cedarlakesales.com. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by the CS1 suit from Cold Snap. This jacket and bib combination is good for all seasons. The jacket featuring the full event lamination, 100% waterproof shell with waterproof YKK zippers, fleece-lined hand-warm pockets on the chest, magnetic closures on the pockets, hideaway D-rings for accessories, especially like your Cold Snap toothpick. Zip out the inner liner featuring Primaloft 900 gold insulation, HydroFloat technology. Wear this Cold Snap logoed performance liner as a separate jacket on the ice. Or you can just wear it around town as nice as it is. The bibs matching the jacket system. We're talking the lamination, the waterproof, the zippers, fleece lined, warming pockets on the chest, magnetic closures on all the high use pockets, and the hideaway D-rings for all your accessories again. Zip out the inner liner pants featuring the Primaloft 900 gold insulation, HydroFlow technology, removable knee pads. You can take them out, replace them whenever they're worn, or just take them out when you're wearing it in the summer. Because in the summer, in the boat, you can wear this shell as your highest performance rain gear. Wear the entire system in the ice season or as layers and mix and match the components to fit whatever the weather conditions are. The gloves, cold snap performance gear hoodies, event soft shell jackets, and vests, all of that and more details can be found at coldsnapoutdoors.com. That link is in the description of this podcast or through other pro staff partners. So what? So what do you got in store for the rest of the winter? I mean, are are you gonna are you gonna be just really sticking this out, trying to chase ice? Um, you know, I mean, we don't we don't know what the weather's gonna be. We don't know how long we're gonna have fishable ice. We know, you know, I mean, we're still in ice season. It's not like it's totally over. But man, I gotta imagine that some of the you know some of these river locations are gonna open up probably a little earlier than normal. Like, what what's your plan, man? Are you gonna get in the boat as fast as you can? Are you gonna stick out some? Uh, you still got some plans to do some ice fishing? Where are you at there? Yeah, we're gonna kind of play it play by play. I think um, <laughs> obviously it's forty five degrees out. There's no snow on the ground and, you know, ice has been deteriorating for a week now in a lot of places. So you could stick it out and probably ice fish, obviously plenty more time, probably into March in the Midwest. Um, But with the rivers opening up, um, if I could, if I have the opportunity to be in a boat by the mid February or the end of February on a river catching walleyes, um, I'm all about it. And even this week I heard of some rivers opening up and saw some social media posts of people in boats. So, that generally cuts my ice season short when I start seeing stuff like that because I can't can't control myself. <laughs> I'm always trying to figure out how the conditions have been affecting how you know what can we learn from this year. But really, you know, are there anything? Is there any stories or any examples of, of anything that you could just say where you know what I went here and 
and regardless of the conditions, a walleye is a walleye, and I found them right where I expected to, like anything like that? Yeah, I mean, the one big thing that conditions have definitely affected this year is, you know, once we get on a lake that's got, you know, we say, okay, there's plenty of ice out here for us to be out here. The travel has been so easy. Um, being mobile on the lake, you know, you're not trudging through all the snow. When you set the shack up, it's not some big labored process to, you know, get the snow out of the shack. You're not drilling through three feet of ice and then getting all the slush out of the way. So once we get on a lake, moving spot to spot and with just how warm it's been, you'll be able to fish outside. So we've been able to have days like in January, I was running around outside in boots, knee boots, jeans, and a sweatshirt the other day, all afternoon, jigging walleyes through the ice in the last couple days of January. And to be able to be that mobile, given the conditions, you know, spend 30 seconds here, just panning with a live. Okay. There's no fish here. Let's go another 500 yards. Oh, there's fish here. Let's run through 10 holes with no gloves on for the next you know hour. Some of those opportunities have been unreal this year. So I've, I've probably only fished out of a shack like four or five times this year. Cause it's been so warm out. Just being able to be that mobile with the lack of snow and the warm weather, no slush has just been incredible. It's kind of like a, you know, you know, we're going to get into next year. It's going to be 20 below two feet of snow on the lake slush everywhere tracks on snowmobiles freezing, getting stuck. And you're going to be like, man, last winter was nice. <laughs> so that's yeah. been one of the, that's been one of the coolest parts this year. Obviously on the flip side, a lot of the places haven't had safe ice to kind of be able to be that mobile, but that has honestly been the nicest part. And it, this ice season just flew by for me because normally you just, you get to a certain point and you start, it gets really cold. You get a lot of snow, things start breaking, fishing becomes harder, and you're suddenly like, this isn't as much fun as it was uh, a month ago. <laughs> so, and, we, and I haven't reached that point this year. Normally, it's like by the end of January, early February, I'm kind of like, oh, I got another month and a half left of this, you know, of ice fishing. Love ice fishing, but you always just kind of get to that point when the weather gets bad. And this year, there's zero burnout for me on the ice. If you told, if, there, if I had a foot of ice everywhere, I'd still be going hard as you know as hard as you can on the ice but um it's just you know strange year that's i guess all i can say about it for sure you know one thing there talking about your process and moving quickly you know forward sonar helps with that where you can hop in you don't even have to fish you can just hop in a hole pan around i mean for walleyes for you on the spots you fish the bodies of water you fish like I mean, is that like the proven technique where you just, you don't fish unless you're seeing something, um, you know, and, and, you know, I don't know if there's a barometer for that, but, you know, maybe, maybe on a spot that you know is good. Have you ever just popped down? You don't see anything on forward sonar, but it's like, you know what? I, I, I already kind of know that this is a good spot. We should drill 10 holes anyway. And you catch them like, talk to me about sort of the efficiency behind that, like, you know, or what your perspective is on that. Like, are you just stone cold? Like we're not going to wet a line unless we see them. Yes and no. Kind of depends a lot on the spot for me. So if I'm fishing, like, um, you know, we started fishing for a lot of walleyes that were just roaming basin, big mud basin, you know, it might be 40 or 50 feet deep, but the fish will sit down 20, 25, 30 feet. So we're fishing for a lot of those, you're like suspended fish. A lot of the time, those fish will show up extremely easily on a forward facing, obviously. So, if we drill a hole, put it down, look a hundred feet every direction, don't see one, we'll go another hundred feet, drill a hole, put it down, see if we see any. If we start seeing a few of those big single or big double marks of bigger fish, 
then we might grid out like a football field size area and start like working through them. But on the flip side, if you're fishing, you know, a much shallower lake where fish are laying to big boulder points, you know, where a lot of those fish are 15 to 20 inches, not going to see a ton of those fish on forward facing unless they're really going to elevate up off bottom. A lot of times those fish will tuck down close to bottom going to be tougher to see those you might drop a deucer down and say like well i think there's one over there then you might drill 10 holes work through them and catch 12 fish so it kind of depends on the spot a little bit if if i'm fishing for bigger fish on a flat basin sand maybe it's a mud bottom whatever it might be then i will just strictly rely on the live but if i'm fishing like thick structure for fish that are relating to bottom a lot of times i just kind of fish through areas super fast yeah and i imagine i imagine um you know more than just fish that forward sonar is maybe going to show you the structure you're going to get you know you get a little better picture there maybe you know help you drill some more accurate holes i mean i imagine that that that's all part of the process as well i can remember the days not long ago when you you know go to your spot you drill a hole you put it down you're like oh we're not on the weed edge yet and you drill another hole and you're like oh okay it's eight foot tall weeds we're not on the edge we got to go back out and then you drill another hole and you're like Oh, we're still in the weeds, <laughs> you know, and it's like this 30 minute process of figuring out where the weed edge is and drilling down it. And you know, now you just stick that thing down and you say, okay, uh, if we drill a hole for holes for a hundred feet in that direction, we will be directly on the edge. You know, and you, if you got another buddy with you, you can watch the flight go down on the live and say, oh, you're too far left. You got to bump 10 feet out to the right. We'll be right on that edge. So that's probably honestly one of the biggest things with something like live to the ice is it saves you all that time trying to figure out you know exactly where you want to be and it just helps tremendously obviously yeah it's like that precision who yeah like it take 10 holes to find a like to get a real good idea where the weed line is and then and then uh you know your low percentage like or you know just like your batting average like every single hole you drill if you don't have forward sonar and many people don't so you kind of got to, you know, get good and get confident on that, you know, on that, uh, that style of drilling, you know, but you kind of got to find the weeds. And then, you know, I think that like, uh, the, you know, the, the battery powered augers are a big one too. Cause in the end, like you're going to drill a bunch of more holes. It's going to be a little lower percentage per hole, right? Cause you're not quite as precision, not quite as accurate. You're making all that noise on top of the ice. Like, you know, we talk about that all the time too, um, yeah, dude, I just think like when people talk about the cost of these things, just the amount of like uh, batteries or, or uh, gas that you go through in an auger in a couple of seasons, just about pay for a forward sonar unit. Oh, yeah. And it, it doesn't have to be done just with forward facing. But one thing that always, you know, we were fishing in that crazy cold spell that came through where it was like, you know, negative 40 wind chills or whatever, you know, and I was too, I was too stubborn and stupid to keep going out and fishing every day. But you know, you know, you're basically not going to be fishing outside that day. Pretty much not possible, especially with film equipment to film in that. So, um, we were fishing in the shack and kind of wanted to just show this doing the same thing, but with underwater cameras and we were fishing just this big rock point. And I knew one side of the rock point was sand and one side was rock. So obviously you kind of want to like try to be on some kind of transition or some kind of like sweet spot. So we just basically drilled the big grid of holes out, drop the camera down, sand, drop the camera down, sand, drop the camera down, rock, backed up five feet. Okay, we're right on the transition right here. And just doing little things like that, especially if you're going to sit there all day. It's one thing if you're just going to fish outside and run through 50 holes in an afternoon and just jig aggressively. But 
if you're going to drop an ice castle down or a pop-up or a hub and, or whatever, just sit there for five to six hours. I mean, just spending that extra 20 minutes to make sure you're kind of right where you want to be just pays off huge for stuff like that. Getting on those kind of high percentage traffic areas. Yeah, man. I think that's the hot ticket. That's the hot ticket. And I think that, you know, any more of the modern day anglers definitely picking that stuff up. Content like yours, you know, a lot of good stuff is out there. You know, these conversations now are being had that all this free content's like, man, oh man, it's like there's almost, it's getting to the point where there's almost no excuses anymore. Like, yeah, man, the, the modern day anglers really consuming this stuff. It's fun to see people out there getting after it. Oh, yeah. It's super cool to watch kind of. I feel like you, I mean, I'm, this is what I hope anyways, is that, you know, when I was a kid, walleye fishing was like the old man sport, right? I was like, you know, I, I didn't have time for that. I wanted to catch something like a bass or a muskie or something cool, you know, but I'm hoping that, I mean, it kind of seems like there's this new wave of like younger guys, you know, women interested in this walleye thing. And part of that is definitely because technology and how it's kind of making it more engaging with the angler. It's not a, not a sitting there jigging very slow at the bot off the bottom right at dark it's not a drifting with a lindy rig you know it's it's a lot of these cool new things that i think integrated with technology um make it very appealing for a lot of guys who maybe you know never considered walleye fishing i never was a big walleye you know fisherman kind of growing up and eventually just started doing it but um I'm hoping, and it does seem like it's kind of bringing just a whole new kind of demographic to the sport. I agree 100%. I, walleyes really, really epitomize, you know, diversity and like just like all the different ways that we can try to find them and catch them and do it well. Like, walleyes are oh, just yeah. like a super interesting species in that way. So people might get hung up on, on um, you know, maybe other species fight a little bit harder than they do or you know, or, or they're not the coolest looking fish in comparison to a beautiful, like, you know, bluegill or a, or a cool looking brook trout or whatever it is. Right. But like, Mm -hmm. there's just something about walleyes that like, they just really offer that super diverse. I mean, is it, you know, you kind of just explained it. Maybe that's my question is like, when people ask you why you choose walleyes, like, like what's your long form answer of that? Like why you like walleyes more than anything else? Yeah. I feel like kind of like there's this like level of like mystique like to a walleye what is it doing you know where why are they up here you know why did it how come you know forever we thought this was a jig and a minnow a lindy rig and a leech and now we're pitching five inch swim baits and three foot of water in the weeds you know it's just like this level of kind of like that adaptability or that you know i don't know how much you guys you know in, in the midwest anyways especially wisconsin minnesota walleyes have always been like the deep water you know, the deep water dwelling fish. And now like we, we spend most of our season in less than 12 feet of water, you know, and you know, Dakotas obviously have a ton of shallow water walleye potential as well, pretty much the whole year. But there's just seemingly this level of like, you know, mystique and adaptability to these fish that we're slowly learning like, Holy cow, these fish do a lot different stuff and eat a lot different things than we thought they did this whole time. The other thing that always draws me to walleye fishing is there is like, I don't know if there's a fish that has more different ways to fish for them. You know, you talk about lead core, bottom bouncers, slip bobbers, jigs, rip jigging, rattle baits, you know, trolling, casting, vertical. There's just, uh, there. I don't know if there is a fish that you can fish for with different, more different ways to target them. And they all work in different situations. You know, rivers, natural lakes, reservoirs. And it's just, it's crazy the, you know, I, I basically film walleyes every day now for the last three or four years. 
And although I'm sure some stuff gets repetitive, it's crazy how much different stuff, different ways you can film walleye fishing, you know, in different locations or at different times of year or different techniques. So I am by no means, you know, it's, and it's always a learning thing too. I by no means know half of even what's going on out there, but um, it's, it's cool to constantly kind of push the bubble of what you know and uh, what you think, I guess, could be possible and a different way to catch a walleye. Yeah. I, I like, I like looking at like the tournaments and stuff where it's still, we're still in that day and age where, uh, you know, a high level walleye tournament, you know, to be in the top 10, there might be legitimately like five or six different presentations that are all, you know, you know, easily different from each other that will be represented in like the top 10 places mm-hmm. of like at, at a big walleye tournament that, you know, maybe that's situational. It's a time of year or whatever, but it's definitely common in a lot of places that can easily happen. We don't even like get up out of our seat when, you know, when we hear that, you know, somebody was trolling lead core, uh, you know, this guy over here was jig rapping. This guy over here was slip bobbering. You know, this guy over here was, you know, uh, you know, Ned Riggin or whatever. I mean, there's just all those different, like it doesn't make us fall out of our chair. Yeah. But like in a bass tournament, you know, like, you know, Gussie can go down to Tennessee and, you know, fish, uh, you know, uh, uh, like a, a little, a little smelt imitation. And it's just like, it's so monumental because everybody else mm-hmm. in the field is throwing a big swing. You know what I mean? Like a bass tournament, it in the top 10, there might be <clears throat> two presentations, you know, or three, you know, at the top, but it doesn't get wild. And maybe live bait opportunities kind of play into that. I understand. But I mean, really, walleye fishing definitely, you know, it, it, it just, yeah, it just sort of definitely, um, sort of caters to the guys that want to be, you know, diverse and you can have confidence in a lot of things. Yeah. I think that, I yeah. think that's all good perspective stuff. And we're learning, we're learning that more than ever now. You know, most of the time you watch these tournaments, yeah, there, there's always some tournaments where, you know, there's five guys with similar weights, but one guy caught the big fish. They're all doing the same thing, you know, type of thing. But now you see a lot more where it's, you know, you know, or if it's you fishing with five of your buddies and you guys are out, you know, doing whatever. And one guy's like, man, I just throttled them doing this. And you're like doing that there. Like, yeah. what, you know, <laughs> and a lot of those tournaments are one the same way. It's one guy figures something out of the box out that, you know, nobody else tapped into or gave it the time and puts a ton of big fish at the boat. And it's, it really seems like, uh, you know, if you could put all of that knowledge together on what's possible on different locations, different bodies of water, different times of year, and just kind of like hand pick the five things that you know just like they're those out of the box things that puts it all together. I mean, you could just travel around the the Midwest and just fish in these bites at this time of year and just catching crazy big fish on bodies of water that aren't known for it. You know, I mean, just it's crazy. You know how little one person really knows at one time. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It shows. Yeah, it just shows the scope of like the you know just how big the horizon is is yeah. for us you know i i think you know walleye fishing too or maybe you know maybe you see it in a different way is like you know people will choose destinations um to fish a technique like like if yeah. you can't like when jig wrapping or when glide bait fishing became a thing it's like certain people just couldn't it wasn't a viable thing or, or they couldn't fish that way in and around their home body of water but people were willing to start traveling to destinations you know, uh, like Green Bay in the spring or, you know, or, or in the summer and, and, you know, just going places because of presentations and lures that they wanted to be able to fish. Yeah. yeah it reminds me of, uh, 
I don't know if we got any musky guys listening, but the, the double cowgirl days of musky fishing, when all of a sudden this big giant goofy bucktail came on the market and guys were just crushing fish with it on a lot of places. But, you know, all of a sudden there was this Malax musky boom where everyone was out there catching big fish on these giant double bladed bucktails, you know, and it's, it's the same thing in walleye fishing now. And, you know, with these, and I'll never forget kind of like the beginning of it when, you know, you'd look around the lake and everybody's kind of back trolling vertical fishing stuff. And then two weeks later, you know, some video came out and everyone's out there flailing, you know, you can just see them from a hundred yards away, flailing their arms, you know, ripping <laughs> these big, heavy lead baits as hard as they can. And part of it's, you know, it's information sharing. It's, you know, uh, guys like, you know, me on YouTube, you know, this podcast, people coming on here and talking about doing this and doing this and doing the other thing and go here. This bite's out of control in August for, you know, suspended fish jigging wrapping or whatever. And, uh, you know, I always think, you know, that, that is all great news. I think the only thing to always stress is how important catch release is in the conservation side of all of it. Cause we all want to keep doing it more. It's easier to find hot bites than it's ever been. It's easier to get on fish, you know, once you're very comfortable with electronics than it's ever been. And I always just try to stress the, the conservation part of it too. Fish handling, know your situation, know how deep you're fishing, know how warm the water is. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. All that sort of thing. And, you know, one, one theme for my shows this year, uh, you know, my ice fishing shows this year is that, um, you know, for those like you, for, for, for the hardcore guys that are getting out and getting after it, it's one of the best years for catching fish that there's ever been the conditions this year, the fish are, are living large out there. The fish are doing well. And it's, and if you can safely get to your, your fishing hole, um, or even just, uh, you know, thinking about the bites that are normally done by now, um, you know, uh, or, you know, just a lot of these places that are usually just either snowed in or that you're just, you're, you're, you're not even thinking about this time of year. We got to go back to the drawing board and think about some of these, some of this small water that we give not enough attention to, or thinking about these big bodies of water. If you live close to something like that, where usually you're just burnt out by all the busyness, you're burnt out that this time of year by all the roads that are plowed and all the villages that are just parked on all these community spots. And there's just not a lot left to be had. This is the year where be a little bit more hardcore, smart check the ice but be a little bit more hardcore be willing to go out because the rest aren't and the fishing is uh the fishing man is out there the message is that the fishing is still good so there's still enough season i I don't mind saying that hopefully motivate a few people to get out and get after it but as far as uh that it goes um just kind of wrapping it up man um promote your stuff promote your socials how people can get in touch with you if they have any questions or just want to tap into your stuff if they haven't already um and we can just wrap it up that way. Yeah, kind of along the lines you said, wrapping up. I know one thing I'm going to challenge myself to do this summer is fish more small water to drop waypoints and find good spots to go ice fishing off the beaten trail next year that'll freeze up faster. So that's going to be a large part of my program this year is doing a lot of that stuff. But yeah, um, I always appreciate you having me on. If anybody wants to watch anything I do, Tom Bully on YouTube, um, Tom Bully Fishing Instagram, Facebook. We also have the Walleye Now app, which just uploaded a bunch of ice fishing content to that as well and we're excited to really kick stuff off on there again come spring so um if you have time check that out so while i now app on um, google play and the app store so yeah i appreciate you guys having me again that's it brother 
man, I appreciate you having time for this. Totally. And uh, great, great uh, kind of midwinter update. I feel weird saying that. I feel like maybe I got to edit that out. I feel like I got to edit that out because it's not. Is it midwinter? Is it late ice? I wasn't sure if you were calling me to talk about spring river fishing or ice fishing. <laughs> yeah, dude. I literally like, oh my gosh. Like, like there's people that could listen to this that are literally like. In a boat. In a boat. Yeah. There's people that yeah. could listen to this that are like. About to be in a boat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Seriously, it's like, oh my.